This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, my beautiful fellow Clock Dodgers. Episode 49 today of the Clock Dodgers podcast is sponsored by our day one sponsor, No Halftime, the daily fantasy sports app that you know good and well is a player versus player matchup based system rather than drafting a whole team with salary caps and all kinds of crazy stuff you can play for free on this app with your friends and family and join leagues and and have you know tracking of stats and everything as far as records go or you can just play for money the, the really really fun way um, against your friends family co-workers or just random strangers that you know have challenges out there for you to accept you can actually use this on your iphone or your android device all you have to do is go to knowhalftime.com and download it or of course use your app stores um, to download it if you use the promo code clock 100 c-l-o-c-k 100 when you register you will have um, up to a hundred dollars of your first deposit matched come on you can't beat that cannot beat it go to it now if you're if you are a clock dodger if you are a fan of this podcast if you are a part of this clock dodger family you have to have no halftime it doesn't make sense guys we support each other let's go cannot play with it cannot win with it cannot go with it can't do it you play with the game i mean listen we're talking about practice not a game not a game not a game Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. It is the Clock Dodgers podcast. I am your host Neil. I am accompanied here by Adam. As always, Thursday night football. We are raring to go. We're past halftime in the game, and we actually have a game here um, with other things besides kickers taking part. So this is a little exciting for us, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, man, this has been a fun one. I mean, I'm still nursing the World Series hangover, which I know we'll get to, but uh, it, uh, it's it been exciting getting to have a fun football game tonight, too, man. This game's been awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about the baseball game first, the World Series, um, before we even get into football and Thursday Night Football and all that other good stuff. Um, I haven't watched a whole lot of baseball this year. My Mets, I'm a Mets fan, and they were kind of... You know, disappointed me this year, from especially coming off of the high of last year. Um, so I kind of stayed away. <clears throat> but you know, when the playoffs come around, obviously the games are more exciting. It's at all. It's so meaningful. And then this game last night, man, was bonkers. Just bonkers. Um, <laughs> you you know, obviously you have a, a lot of connections to Chicago. You know, a lot of people who are close family members of yours who are fans. Um, from your perspective, just you know, being so close to those people. Um, in the city and everything yourself, how, how did it feel for you? Um, because as an outsider, for me, it, it, obviously it was exciting, but probably not anything near, you know, what you or your family and friends were feeling. 
Yeah, man, it was it was really really cool. Um, I am not a baseball guy at all. Just to quantify that, most of the game I was watching, I did not know players' names. Like I, I didn't know. I mean, I know the sport of baseball. Like I grew up playing baseball, and like I know it well. So there's not that sort of deficiency. But as far as like knowing players in Major League Baseball, I probably couldn't name more than like five even after watching the game last night. <laughs> I, I saw, yeah, I saw one Cubs game all year, and that was literally a game that I went to with my family. So like, I I totally am the largest layman possible. So I will say from that perspective, even being the largest layman possible, it was still really fun and really exciting to kind of get to watch history be made. Um, especially I, now, I am the complete opposite of a baseball fan, and in that way, I'm probably the complete opposite of a Cubs fan. I am not that diehard fan, but my dad and my younger brother are. They're insanely diehard, and they watch basically every single game. I mean, it's rare that they miss a game. So they're totally tuned in and have been for so many years through all the pain and suffering. And I know my dad was saying last night after they won that, you know, he's been watching them for over 50 years. And, you know, when you think about that kid, my father, sitting and watching the Cubs when he was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old and just beginning this kind of obsession or journey with baseball and with the Cubs and with the city and then going, you know, 40 years beyond that point to he's an adult and he's got his, you know, grandson watching with him. Uh, it, it really, it can transform kind of what you're looking at. And one of the cool things that I was thinking about is just the idea of 108 years. Like there was, there's no one who watched that game that was alive, that is alive right now. I, I, I'd be shocked if there was, because with how much technology has changed, you know, there may be a few people who listen to it on the radio with, you know, their parents or grandparents. But even then, if they're still alive now, they probably were, you know, so young then that they have no recollection of it whatsoever. So it is it's really insane. And just from like a fun perspective, like, could you ask for, you know, a better series? Could you ask for a better finale with it going to extra innings and, and the Cubs having to win it that way? I mean, it was uh it was really, really exciting, and I know the city just was insane all last night, so it was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, I'm not a Cubs fan, but watching that game and, you know, knowing the history and how long they've been, like, in this drought of a championship drought, you know, it's like, who wasn't rooting for them besides Cleveland Indian fans or, you know, Ohio people or whatever, however you want to, you know, categorize them, but it's like... Dude, who would not want to see that happen? It was it was like one of those things, like it's it's like a once in a lifetime thing for us that a team has been you know in that kind of drought and to be able to witness that um, was really cool. Um, so like I said, even as you know, not even being a Cubs fan or um, being super into baseball this year, it was still you know a lot of fun to watch and and everyone seemed to enjoy it. People who didn't even care about baseball, like you said, were watching it. So um, it was it was fun. You know, it was a fun thing, and um, you know. Like I said, just that history of 108 years, just hard to, like you said, to quantify. You know, nobody was, you know, probably alive then, or if they were, because I assume someone has to be over 180 years old right now, but they obviously weren't, like you said, watching it or not Cubs fans or anything like that, so they don't really care. But um, it was, it's pretty, uh, pretty special moment, you know. Yeah, man, it, it's crazy. It's so exciting. So now, now, actually, though, I think. Now, I'm not positive of this, but I think I heard somewhere that after the Cubs won the World Series, 
that now the longest drought is the Indians. I don't know for sure if that's correct. So don't quote me on that, everyone who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I'm pretty sure that's the case because the Indians themselves had gone. I think it was like the 1940s was the last time that they won the World Series. Yeah, they're like so. in some kind of 60-something year drought or 80-something. Yeah, exactly. So for all Cleveland fans out there who, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of them have never seen them win a World Series either. It's got to be one of those feelings of like, oh come on, like they were exactly. they were so close. I mean, it was it was such an exciting final game, and it really was that close at the end. And uh, I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for a better a better sports story, I think. But uh, even that being said, I mean, just to bring it back down to reality, that's probably the only way I'm watching baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's get to the let's get to the sport I care about. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, before that though, I mean, Halloween, everything. You had a good Halloween, man. Everything go well. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I uh, the last two years, uh, me and my girlfriend are big roller coaster junkies. So we actually decided uh, last year to go to Fright Fest, uh, Six Flags is uh, Halloween, you know, yeah, strap, if you will. And uh, we did that last year. And one thing that we realized is that on Halloween no one really goes to Six Flags, like, on the day of. So lines are incredibly short, and uh, we ended up doing that again this year, and it was just, it was fantastic. I mean, it was it was really cool being, you know, able to just walk onto roller coasters and stuff like that. But also, uh, because there were so few people in the park, the uh, the haunted houses that they offer at Six Flags really are, are pretty impressive uh, and seemed that way last year. So I was excited to go back this year because I, I, I like haunted houses. I don't really scare very easily, but I'm I'm pretty big fan of like the horror genre and, you know, the idea of being scared. And I like the theming and seeing, you know, the different things that they do. And like I said, most of the time, though, I go through haunted houses and I'm, I'm pretty all right. I, I don't really scare too easily. <laughs> this time was totally different because literally there were so few people in the park that I was walking through this haunted house just myself and my girlfriend. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking to, to be in a haunted house alone. Because, like, yeah. I don't know your experience with haunted houses, but anytime I've ever gone through before, it's always with a group of people. And like, I always scare the least out of that group of people. So it's not that scary, but this man, this is so different. I, I, uh, yeah, I got some real, real scares on Halloween this year. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Usually, you know, like even down here, I mean, you know, in Florida, like there's Halloween horror night and stuff at like, um, at universal and stuff or, um, the local, you know, haunted houses and stuff. But it's like, mm-hmm. like you said, usually those places are so packed that it's like, you're walking through, like with a line like with a line of people you know what i mean so like you see things happening in front of you and stuff so you're like all right it's about to come up here it's about to come up here so you're like yeah whatever and you know some people obviously get really afraid of those things but um walking through like almost by yourself that could be that's a game changer (laughs) yeah man oh god it uh it was it was super intense how about yourself man what did you end up doing uh you know trick-or-treating with the kids and i'm trying to stay away from their candy because Man, it's so tempting, these bags of candy just laying around. <laughs> and then I, I bought candy, you know, to hand out. But by the time I got back, because Halloween was on a Monday, um, like, kids weren't trick-or-treating really late, it seemed like. So um, by the time we got back, I didn't really get to hand out candy. So not only do I have their candy, but I have our bags of candy that we bought to hand okay. out. So, uh, yeah, man, lots of candy, basically. And, you know, the kids have fun. So that's all it's about, you know. And obviously, I'm coming, you know, fresh off the... Uh, you know, the Raiders home victories in, in Florida here. I mean, the away victories, you know, back to back. So I'm feeling good, man. Yeah, home for you. 
Yeah, home so for me. Were, yeah, home for I, me. You got to go to two Raiders games. How, how often do you get to say that? Like, how often do they really play in Florida? Not a lot. I mean, sometimes every couple of years, few years, maybe they'll come down to, like, Miami one time. And, you know, even if they're playing Florida team, sometimes it's in Oakland or whatever. So it's, like, it doesn't happen all the time. But back-to-back on, you know, wins on a good season that, like, they're, like, they're doing now is, like, not common at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So, yeah, man. So that's been pretty good. So it's been pretty good. And now hopefully all of this positive energy can roll into week nine for us, man. You know, we're watching Thursday night football, like you, like we said earlier. Um, you got Winston hitting Evans, I think twice already, right? Yes, sir. You got Matt Ryan hitting Julio. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but he he made an amazing touchdown grab where he got oh, both yeah, of his feet down. I was like, beautiful, perfect. Uh, Julio, perfect example of what Julio is about. And then uh, Matt Bryant, because it is kicker Thursday, he seems to be doing <laughs> all right. But I don't think Tampa's kicker has done anything yet, has he? Uh, no, just the two extra points, so he, but so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's always only one. It, it's the winning team, whoever their kicker is, just destroys. I, I'm luckily not playing against them this week, so that's different, but yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan is putting on a clinic. He's got four TDs so far, over 300 yards passing. I mean, just really, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I totally missed on Matt Ryan this year. I didn't draft him anywhere. I uh, I totally did not see this coming, and he has been just on fire I, I think so far this year he especially after this week he may go right back if he's not right now currently the number one overall fantasy quarterback so far I know he was for for many weeks I don't know if he dropped off last week at all but uh but yeah I mean he, he's having such a shocking season did you see this coming at all I didn't see the season coming at all obviously since he started this way now I've seen the Bucks obviously gonna happen because of what Derek Carr did to them but you know coming into the season I didn't see like this I, you always expect Matt Ryan to have some big games but it's always been like a consistency issue with him you know whether he can keep it up and play in the tough teams but he's he did pretty damn well against the tough teams too like the Broncos the Seahawks so after he did well against those two it was like, ah, this guy might be bulletproof this year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really shocking to me, but he's done really phenomenal. Yeah, two uh, some of the big names in this game also were the backup running backs for the well, actually the backup backup running backs for the Bucks. Um, you know, a lot of people picked them up, tried to play them this week because you know they lost Sims, they lost Martin, they lost Rogers. So obviously, people are just you know grasping at straws. I don't think either one has really done anything this game that's you know worth noting probably, but. Um, you know, they probably done nothing but have us beg even more for Martin to come back. Hopefully, I mean, do you think he's going to come back next week, man? This is, like, becoming a pretty long, drawn-out process right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to know. I think the hardest thing in fantasy often can be, like, predicting when people are going to return from injuries. So I would say, as of right now, I mean, I have no idea, but I, I wouldn't plan for him, that's for sure. Sucks, man. I've been waiting for him so long. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that with the Thursday night game, they have this longer break now. That hopefully this is, you know, coming up here is Martin coming back. But it'll suck if this dude doesn't play all year, man. I really um, I held out for him, man. I held out for him for a long time, and I may have lost some games because of it, Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a yeah, it's a tough situation. I mean, I really thought that uh, that after he went down, that Charles Sims was going to be the guy, and then when Charles Sims went out for season, it's just it's been kind of a train wreck. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if he comes back or if it's Jaquiz Rogers. And really, I mean that that role is it's a great role, especially down the stretch with them playing New Orleans twice in the fantasy playoffs. I mean it's 
it's a great situation, but it's just going to be a matter of, you know, if it actually pays off. Yeah, that, that, that Bucks playoff schedule is why I held on to, you know, guys like Doug Martin, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston, all these guys, man. So hopefully, <clears throat> you know, hopefully it pays off. Um, but speaking about Doug Martin and the injury, um, there's a lot of running backs who are actually injured right now or just having disappointing seasons right now. And it seems oh, really? like, you know, who was that? I said, oh, really? Yeah. Hashtag zero RB. Yeah, as I was just going <laughs> to say. So, you know, a big thing coming into this year was zero running back, you know, drafts. And I, I, I couldn't totally buy into it myself. I've always been a guy who still wanted at least a good running back within the first couple of rounds. But, you know, there's some guys I know you did. You mentioned, you know, you did a lot of zero running back. Um, there's guys who went totally gung-ho with it and, you know, didn't draft running backs forever. Um, and so I just kind of thought that it'd be cool to revisit it right now, kind of like since we're past the halfway point or, you know, right there. Um, you know, do you think zero running back um, is, you know, proving itself more and more here? Or do you think, you know, you can still, you know, do whatever you want, just, you know, understand that the, the, the position is volatile like this? Um, or, or do you think at this point in the season it's just been justified more and more, you know, going that route in drafts? You know, I mean, it's tough when you have this sort of you, you kind of have two things going on here. So zero running back seems like it it's working in some extent because there have been a ton of running back injuries. But you also have that dynamic of, well, you know, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have David Johnson, you have Le'Veon Bell, you have these guys who are being drafted in the first and second rounds who are holding up to that draft stock really well. So it is. I mean, it, you know, it's not like a, a blow-away situation where zero running back looks like this amazing strategy that everybody should have been doing because the guys who, who drafted one of those three running backs, or especially guys who, you know, somehow got Bell in the second and got either Johnson or, or Zeke in the first, I mean, those are unstoppable teams. And I, uh, I think that as far as the remaining season goes, it's going to be really interesting to see if those three stay healthy, because if they do, then I think a lot of people are going to look at this as like, oh, well, zero running back doesn't work. Or they're going to look at it as, you know, well, maybe you can do zero running back, but you should still be drafting, you know, one of the elite running backs. And then after that, it's, it's you know, zero running back. But I don't know. I mean, beyond those guys, like beyond those three you have a few, you know, bright spots that were being drafted later, but nobody in really those, you know, second and third rounds and beyond that have that have really held up that well. I mean, Devonta Freeman's done all right, um, but beyond that point, I mean, there have not been a ton of guys who were being drafted in those, you know, second, third, fourth rounds that have have put up the numbers that that you really drafted them to expect. Exactly. Yeah, like I mean, you know, and and the guys that who who did start off the season really hot and did ball out, you know, early. It seems like a lot of them are dealing with injuries. Um, you know, so and, and then and you got guys like Mark Ingram, who just you know you can't freaking pick out what the hell's going on with this guy. And there's just so many you know different things. I know there's so many more wide receivers than there are running backs. So you know, even though there there could be a lot of injuries, it may not feel that way sometimes. Um, but man, just. I, I, like I said, I can't go zero running back. I, I understand maybe waiting for a running back a little bit longer or not, you know, going the first couple of rounds with it. But, um, 
you know, it's just such a, a crazy position. And it happens that this is at least from, you know, from my memory of, you know, everybody talking about zero running back and stuff. It's been the last couple of years, at least, that people have been kind of, you know, going that way. And, you know, last year felt pretty similar, you know, as far as the injuries to, run, injuries to running backs. Because I swear um, last year in a few of my leagues, I think I lost every one of my running backs at one point or another, you know what I mean, throughout the season. So it seems like that's just kind of the way things work. Um, do you think... You know, because for me, okay, you know, zero running back, you grab running backs really late, uh, middle of the round, you know, middle rounds of drafts and stuff. But do you think depth is more important than ever? Like, do you think this is helping people realize, like, I don't want to say handcuff. I don't want to make people think they have to handcuff. But do you think they should draft more running backs than ever because of the stuff, stuff like this? You know what I mean? Or is it something that you really can't predict? So you just have to kind of play, you know, the waiver wire and things like that? Yeah, I mean... You definitely have to be active on the waiver wire because there are guys who are getting opportunities that I don't think anybody would have really expected preseason. So there's definitely the element of, of being active on your waiver wire. And I think in that regard, I really, in a lot of leagues that I'm in that don't already, I'm going to be pushing for fab next year, free agent acquisition budgets uh, and, and bidding because I, I am struggling a lot in these leagues that I'm middle of the pack so i'm not getting those hot waiver wire names and i'm not having those elite players that are going to have me win and i I may end up missing playoffs and leagues like that because it is it's really hard when you suffer so many injuries but don't have that waiver priority to you know to get these guys who are emerging talents and i uh i think that overall it's kind of a situation where you know if you do go zero running back and are drafting wide receivers early in future years it'll be interesting to revisit at the end of this season but right now it's seeming to point more in the direction of bulk running backs and taking elite wide receivers but you know like we were just going over there are these elite running backs that are standing up at the top and I think David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott especially um, pending suspension for Zeke aside are two guys who, moving forward, are going to continue to be these elite prospects for for you know year over year production. So with those two, I think it's going to be really interesting to see beyond this year if they do become the overall one two in fantasy drafts, even in PPR leagues, or if people you know continue to hammer away at wide receiver. Um, one thing that I did want to look at with you really quick, since we're kind of revisiting this subject, is just to go back through, you know, the top 12, for instance, in, in ADP at both running back and wide receiver, and to just kind of break it down and see, you know, how these guys have done over the course of the year. I how like does that it. sound, man? I like it, Sweet. man. Let's so, do it. Awesome. Yeah, I've got it pulled up right now. So at the uh, running back position, I'm specifically going off of uh, 2016, my fantasy dr- my fantasy league uh, MFL ten drafts. I just pulled this up because it was a tab that uh, that I already had open. Okay. Um, but so we're we're you know a little skewed because it is best ball. Um, but I feel like there's so many of these drafts that happen that it does give give a you know good reference point. So there were twelve running backs that were being drafted inside of the first three rounds in fantasy drafts. The number one overall was Todd Gurley so far. I think we can both agree that Todd Gurley has been more or less a bust this year for most people who owned him. Definitely not holding up to that number one overall status, and I, I'd be surprised if you would argue with you know putting the title of bust on him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely you know from from the standpoint of where he's been drafted at, he's definitely been a disappointment. You know what I mean? Um, okay. I think you know he he gets you points. It's just not the points anyone expected. You know what I mean? It's exactly. The, you know, especially definitely where they've not. been drafting him. 
Yeah, definitely not the number one overall running back and maybe not even a number one running back in regards to like being a top 12 guy. I mean, with so many injuries, it's kind of hard for him not to be, but definitely not performing how you would how you would ideally want. So then the next two and three are David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. And I think we can you know agree these guys have held up to their draft capital. They're in the top three right now for fantasy production at the position. No question. And they're doing phenomenally. Number four, Lamar Miller has been another guy who's, you know, kind of waffling in that range of like, you know, I don't know if if he's really lived up to that draft capital because he got so hyped so high, but he's probably still, you know, a running back one almost by default since he stayed healthy and he's kind of Todd Gurley like right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, very similar in that regard. Um, but but maybe not you know as as spectacular because I think Todd Gurley is a better talent and, and kind of gives that ability to really go off on any day even though we haven't seen enough of it this year. Right, but two so, guys that we know um, get the majority of the carries. Their their position is not threatened by a committee, um, and that's that's th- th- that reason alone really lends itself to why they're even you know still valuable um, outside of where we drafted them. You know what I mean? Exactly. So then beyond those top four, the next one who is going uh, at number five was Adrian Peterson. That's been a complete bust because of injury. <laughs> yeah. So beyond beyond him, we have Le'Veon Bell, who has probably given people some of the best you know, risk reward aspect in, in, in leagues because even after you know he missed the first three weeks, I mean, he's been just phenomenal since then. So I think he's definitely someone who's lived up to draft capital. So, so far we have, you know, David Johnson, Zeke, and Le'Veon Bell, who were kind of the three that we had talked about ahead of time. Now, this one I think is interesting. Uh, Number seven was Devonta Freeman. And Devonta Freeman has not been the number seven running back so far, but he has been top 12. So I think that that's, you know, that's quite solid. I I would say that, you you know, if you drafted Devonta Freeman, you're probably happy with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, and then the next one, we have another another big bust in regards to, uh, similar to Adrian Peterson with injury, but that's Jamal Charles, who has not been able to do anything and now is on the IR. So he is, you know, been a total bust in that regard. Yikes. Beyond that, um, at number nine, we have Mark Ingram, who also has been a bust, but more of a performance level bust, similar to like a Todd Gurley or Lamar Miller, but he was being drafted a little later and he's performed even worse than those two. So then we've got LaShawn McCoy, who probably, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised to see that he was going as rowing back 10, uh, often was going in the third round. I mean, that is kind of where he was going, but it seemed like when I was doing drafts that he was going even later than that. But I think that was maybe just perception because he was kind of a name that uh, that I thought was falling a bit in drafts and, and who I thought would have a good year. And he has. I mean, you know, despite the uh, the recent injury before that, he was performing as like a top three running back. So. He definitely has has performed up to his draft capital. Yeah, and, and then I, the last, and I and I loved him coming into the season. And like you said, if it wasn't for the injury, he's been balling out. But this, that's what we're talking about is you know these guys break down, so oh, exactly. um, he falls into that category right now as you know definitely hurting his teams and hurting the people who drafted him, and he's and he's disappointing them. Yeah, and then the last two in the top twelve, we have Eddie Lacy and Doug Martin, who both are kind of in the same position, hit a lot with injuries and have not performed up to snuff. So if we look through, we've got Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, and Doug Martin, 7 of 12, over half, who have just not performed up to expectation. 
That's brutal, man. That's brutal. It is. It really is. Now, I mean, with that in mind, the the other guys who are up there really have. I mean, they've almost exceeded expectations, but with those other seven, you know, it's it's been rough if you owned them. So in that regard, it's over a 50% chance that you, you busted if you went running back early. But let's look at wide receiver in comparison, because in wide receiver, you have a you know similar situation. Yeah, yeah, it has its own share of issues. <laughs> exactly. Very top-heavy. Antonio Brown was going number one. He obviously has performed pretty well, except for in Roethlisberger's absence. Looks like Ben's going to be back maybe even as early as this week, so that might not hurt him at all, and he, he'll end up probably being a top three at the end of the season again. Number two was Odell. Now, ODB has not performed up to what I think a lot of people expected uh, for you know being number two overall. So I think in regards to him, similar to like a Todd Gurley, I wouldn't say that he's performed up to capital. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Not a bust. Um, you know, it, it, you, you still going to start him week in and week out. He's going to get, again, he's not threatened by anybody, um, that no one's taken a lot of his shares, his, you know, his targets, any of that kind of stuff. So, um, he's always going to have volume. So he has, he always has that potential, like you said, with Gurley Miller, that kind of guy. Definitely. So then the next two beyond that, I think we both have to agree that have, you know, performed as these elite wide receiver options. That's Julio and AJ Green. I think if we're, you know, redrafting today, those two still go in the top four of no almost question. every draft. And, you know, so far I've performed that way. Number five, though, is DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that's one that, you know, people could see as someone who hasn't performed up to that elite level that we expected. Uh, so I, c- I could see him almost similar to the running back there, Lamar Miller. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Expectations. So, you know, through the top five, pretty similar in regards to, we have two guys in Odell and uh, Hopkins who, similar to Gurley and Lamar Miller, didn't really perform up to snuff. And then you've got the three rocks. You know, you've got the Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, AJ Green, very similar to the David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell. So lots of parallels there, and that's you know elite of the elite of the position. And similarly to what we saw in the entire top twelve with running backs, where it was about half that seem to excel right here. We've got it where it's, you know, just over half that are seeming to excel. So we'll see what the rest of the position does. Now, see when we go into the next two beyond that, we have Des Bryant and, and Allen Robinson. And Ouch. I think those two go. <laughs> are hits for the wide receiver position. I mean, unfortunately they, they've not performed up to expectation. They really have not. And beyond that, we have Keenan Allen, who is out for season and didn't do anything. So for a lot of people who drafted Keenan Allen, much like myself, it was a heartbreak. And those heartbreaks, just like Adrian Peterson, affect the position. So right there, we have three guys, you know, two who didn't perform expectation and one who's just not done anything well. Uh, Beyond that, at number nine, we had Brandon Marshall. And I think Brandon Marshall probably would kind of teeter on that, you know, has performed up to expectation, but not really, maybe kind of similar to like a DeAndre Hopkins in that regard. What would you say in regard to? Uh, yeah, saying I'd agree. Similar, similar spot, you know, um, you know, they, it's, yeah, they're, they're similar guys, man. I mean, obviously they yeah. drafted him a little bit later than you did Hopkins, but still similar, you know, position. Exactly. So then uh, beyond that, we've got Mike Evans at 10, who I think is, outperformed expectations and doing so again tonight with two touchdowns just you know being phenomenal he uh he right now 
as we were talking on the last podcast, we were reviewing, you know, who we thought were the top five wide receivers moving forward and kind of had a little debate about Evans or, or Brown at 2-3, and I think that that's still right there. I mean, you really don't know. Both of them are, are you know, considered top three options. So Evans has outperformed expectation. At 11, though, we have Alshon Jeffrey now. And Alshon probably hasn't lived up to expectations at all. I mean, I, I would even go as far as to say he's been a bust this year, really. I yeah. mean, he had a good week this week, but outside of that, just has not really done much. And number 12, you have Amari Cooper, who I think at number 12 has performed expectation. So if we go back through, uh, we have three of the elite. We have Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, performed elite so far. Mike Evans, who's outperformed expectation, and Amari Cooper, who's lived up expectation. Once again, we have five of 12. So it's really interesting how similar they both are so far, in that we have about five wide receivers, five running backs in the top 12 of each, who've performed up to expectation or exceeded expectations after being drafted as top 12 options. Really, I mean, I I think what's most interesting is is to look back and, and see, you know, there were 12 running backs going in the first three rounds of PPR leagues, and this shows that there were 19 wide receivers. So definitely the whole zero running back perspective had hit, and there were more wide receivers than ever before going in these early rounds. As we're seeing this year, though, maybe with those top elite guys, it really mattered way more who you were taking than what position you were taking. Yeah, man. It's, it, wow, that's, that's weird, the parallels there, man. And, and and of course, it you know, is. we don't know going, you know, as we go down the line, but just that top, you know, example is pretty it's pretty eye opening, man. So so it seems like the risk is similar at that point. Um Yeah. So it comes down to I guess later than that. So so the question is, in the first you know, like you said, first, second and third round, you know, does it really matter whether you go no running back? Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. You know, at, at, mean, the, at that point, it seems like all these guys are kind of carrying the same risk, really. I mean, and again, exactly. this is just a small sample size, um, half of a season just this year. But still, we're just, you know, we're looking at it from that, you know, from that angle. Oh, yeah. And I think that a lot of, you know, people who read about anti-fragility and what Sean Siegel wrote for Ronoviz in regards to zero running back would say, well, that doesn't matter um, because it really isn't just an isolated thing where you're looking at the top 12 of the position and seeing, okay, who at the top fails and who at the top succeeds. It's more of a throughout the position, the wide receivers that you're drafting in those early rounds have more concrete positioning. Whereas beyond that, the running backs are a little bit more, you know, uh, able to turn over. So regardless of whether that's injury or performance, there's just more of a turnover role. And because wide receivers, you know, don't have to have as many targets or as many opportunities to be successful as a running back does, that turnover is going to be more impactful at the running back position. I think that there is still argument to that, and that's still fair. But it is. It's really, really interesting to kind of go back and reflect at who we maybe have perceived as being the elite options at positions, and they just don't perform that way. And with both, I mean, with the exception of Keenan Allen at the wide receiver position, the other 11 of the 12 wide receivers that we talked about as having an ADP in the top 12, they're not suffering from big injuries. Those guys aren't, aren't the ones being injured. But if you look at the running back position, that is more often the situation being, you know, 
issue with injury. We have Peterson, we have Charles, we have Lacey, and we have Martin. All suffered from injury. And if you just go down the list there, beyond that, I'm just looking right now, number 13 is C.J. Anderson. So if, you know, you took C.J. Anderson over those guys, and beyond that, I mean, you kind of have to go down to DeMarco Murray before you see success. I guess Matt Forte as well. So I'm, uh, I'm just kind of free-balling here as far as looking down to the, like, the top 20, for instance. But you have these guys who, you know, hit, but they're mixed in with huge busts. And I think that, that uh, that's something really interesting that, that happens almost every year in fantasy. You know, we come in with these expectations of, we all kind of collectively, I feel like, think as a fantasy community that it, it's all figured out. And from draft to draft, there's a little fluctuation as far as where people go. But there's not like huge jumps. I mean, you know, for instance, with Mike Evans, I never saw Mike Evans going in the top five of fantasy drafts in PPR leagues, but he should have been. Exactly. You know, it's one of those things where I think we all get sucked into groupthink so much year after year that most drafts look pretty similar. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, identifying talent and breakout opportunities is definitely something that's much deeper than, than just following the herd. And uh, I think that it's really going to influence me moving forward. It's definitely going to be something that I'd like us to review again at the end of the year in regards to what did ADP show and how much did it skew away from that. And trying to figure out how we can you know support our listeners and support ourselves with course correcting for next year and finding what we can really learn from those sort of um, changes that, that we see each year where everybody has these expectations and they don't really get fulfilled. So what was it about the guys who we did see the positive expectations for and hit that, that caused them to hit? And what are the things that were red flags? Like, for instance, here's a big one for me. And, and this is something that's hurting me in a lot of my leagues. But Guys who I was drafting a lot in the second round, I knew were injury risks and performed like injury risks, like Jamal Charles or Sammy Watkins. These were big busts for me. And one thing that I've learned now going forward, uh, Adrian Peterson too, that's another one. But one of the things I've learned now going forward is if I'm going to take risks early, I need to make sure that they're not guys who are already injured or are right. struggling. So, you know, the Charles, the Adrian Peterson, the uh, Keenan Allens, the Sammy Watkins, these were huge busts in the first two rounds for me in drafts. And it's something that I'm going to have to really look at going forward because at least with Sammy Watkins and Jamal Charles, these were situations that we already were aware of. And I think that they're situations that probably should have been avoided, whereas I was more in the camp of, embrace the value that you're getting right you guys have top five potential at their position. yeah yeah I, I i did the exact opposite i stayed away from those guys even guys like Alshon jeffrey um two of the guys that i probably did bite into the most were keenan allen and lashawn mccoy um as far as like injury concerns fairly early on um but you know for whatever reason i just thought they were less likely i thought you know keenan allen has some freak incidents um, LaShawn McCoy, I heard a lot of good stuff like coming out of Canada. He looked five years younger. Obviously, before he just re-injured himself, he looked fantastic. But, um, you know, I, I try to stay away from those kind of guys. But also kind of playing into this and kind of, you know, giving us some insight into it is we are also, me and you, both taking part in a, in a, in a draft right now, um, which is a mid-season draft, you know, which is, is really interesting. It's being run. It was uh, set up by Fantasy Matrix. Um, it's got a lot, of, a lot of smart guys in there. But it's interesting to see how different it is right now. Um, from when we all drafted, you know, 
10 weeks ago or whatever it was, nine weeks ago, um, whenever we did our drafts, which I was just kind of looking really quick at just even the first couple of rounds. And in the first round alone, um, five running backs were drafted. And actually, four of the first pick, four of the, four of the first picks in the draft were all running backs. Um, so five overall, though, five running backs, five wide receivers, um, a tight end, which is Gronkowski, and Tom Brady. That was the first round, um, which, you know, I, I don't know about everybody else's drafts, but some of those guys definitely weren't in most, you know, for, you know first round of, yeah, of drafts before the season started. Um, Tom Brady wasn't. Melvin Gordon wasn't. Um, Gronkowski, you know, some depending on, I guess, who you're with. DeMarco Murray, you know, he went, he went in the top five. Um, so it's interesting to see. Um, I'm trying to see here how the second round panned out as far as the difference in wide receivers and running backs. Um, let's see. One, sure, two. man. Really quick while you look at that. I, uh, I actually, yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about it. Because it, it is. It's something really cool that Fantasy Matrix did. And, and uh, my Fantasy League is an awesome, awesome website because they do allow people to draft throughout the year. So, you know, we are doing this midseason uh, MFL 10 for the second half of the year. And it is. It's really cool to see how things have changed. And one of the biggest things for me that was really interesting is I got the number 11 spot. And I realized so quickly that it is the hardest thing in the world because the top 10 are really pretty pretty blatant at this point yeah uh, when i got hit with the number 11 pick i looked at all my options i was staring at the screen i had no idea what to do and uh i even hate like i took melvin gordon and i hate it uh i really did hate it when i picked it and i hate it now but i just took it for the touchdown upside because he's been leading the running back position in touchdowns and i think he you know is still going to be their kind of touchdown go-to option there but like I said, I mean, I, I hate it. And in the second round, I did something I never do, which is I went quarterback early because we're only, you know, we've only got half the season in that format. So I think that big games uh, versus other positions are going to be really huge. So a quarterback might be able to ha- produce more big games. And I ended up drafting Drew Brees. I actually, at the turn there, I was so perplexed that I almost took either Brees or Tom Brady at number 11 but i just said okay i'll wait and see who makes it around and you know i was glad that actually brady got picked because i didn't know who to go with between breeze and brady but it's just it's so weird because i was this huge proponent of zero running back but now i'm seeing because i have all this added information now that i felt a little bit more comfortable about the wide receivers that i could target later and being able to identify guys who have workloads that are pretty consistent versus the running backs who I was identifying later because now it's like you know we're getting in we're about halfway through this draft and we're getting into this part of the draft now where running backs are going and the more and more that I'm looking down the line it's guys who you know I I have no idea who's going to get the opportunity there if somebody gets injured or or you know if there's turnover at the position so yeah it's really, really interesting to see how much things change. Yeah, I think it's funny because, like you said, the first round was kind of predictable as far as um, how you know who, who would kind of fall in that area. Um, the second round, um, things were still you know a little more predictable, but the third round is when things got kind of interesting. It, it's funny to see you know the guys we're talking about who have struggled up until this point um, still being taken though you know within the first three rounds because of obviously this is just rest of season so what they've done so far doesn't mean anything really um, but still that fear of those guys they're still top three rounds though you know what I mean like guys like Allen Robinson um, DeAndre Hopkins um, 
you know, Alshon Jeffrey, these guys were all drafted within the first three rounds still. So people weren't scared off by it. Um, but then you also see guys like Jay Ajayi's up there, um, Spencer Ware, Marvin Jones, um, Jordan Howard. I mean, these guys that obviously weren't even discussed, you know, Devontae Booker because C.J. Anderson. But there's some – it's just interesting to see – how different it is. Um, like you said, outside of that first round, which was kind of predictable, um, but not, you know, not, it wasn't like that in the beginning of the year, but you're just talking about predictable, you know, right now. Um, but it's, it's really interesting, man. It's really, really, you know, interesting there for me, it was kind of, it's kind of fun because there's guys that you just kind of like, or like, you know, prior, um, Crowder, um, these interesting guys, you know, Jordan Howard, um, just guys that you're like, you know, you might like, you might think, okay, you know, they're they're looking good, but you don't know where people are going to take them now. You know, you don't know how people, how gung ho people are about them, um, just from this small sample size. You know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. So I wanted to ask, did when you went into it, did you have any like particular strategy or anything? I know we're like only halfway through, but you know, I, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of discuss how you might have approached this sort of midway draft because uh for me at the very beginning i really i mean those first two picks i i did not expect to make coming into it but it was one of those situations where like i said after the top 10 like i i really didn't know where to go there was so much inconsistency out there beyond that point that i I really didn't know who who to really trust um but beyond that i I did kind of have a little bit of a strategy i've I've drafted three Patriots and two Saints so far, and I just kind of wanted to load up on these big, big play offenses that I, you know, felt really confident in. Whereas I, I made other picks that were on offenses that I'm a little less confident in, and it's one of the things that, uh, that I think I should have done more of even coming into this season. And, and one thing that I think I focus a little bit too little on in fantasy is really just to look at who are the offenses that are, that are going to be really successful and trying to get as many pieces on those offenses as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, obviously I had the first pick, so my mine was totally opposite of yours. Um, I went David Johnson first. There was no other question for me. I just, you know, I love his game, but um, it's funny. I still took injury guys. I took Doug Martin still. I took Jarek McKinnon still. Um, even though they're injured, even though they've been kind of beat up, I still, I'm still rolling the dice on them, you know, going forward. Um, of course, I thought about bye weeks. You know, if you know a lot of bye weeks are coming up right now, if the guys are past their bye weeks, you know, I kind of like them a little more. Or like you said, high, um, you know, efficient offenses and stuff like that. But um, I, I took some injured guys because I was like, you know, even though they're injured, guys are going to take them, and I'm not going to get them when they come back around. So I just kind of reached for them, you know, hoping that they come back and they're fully healthy and they, you know, reach that potential. But um, yeah, man, I grabbed four running backs so far and four wide receivers and a one quarterback. What what is your setup like right now? Because we're we're what, we're ten rounds in right now, I think, or you yeah, know, in the middle ten, of the middle of the tenth round. Yeah, um, ten rounds in. What, what uh, positions do you have right now? Like, we'll just actually name your players really quick, just so people can. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, let me I'll see. I could probably see it, right? Can I see it on okay. here? Yeah, man, if you can pull it up. Yeah, um, let me see it. Uh, awesome. But uh, but yeah, I uh, I went with one quarterback, one tight end, four running back, four wide receivers. So I'm very balanced, which I, I'm kind of surprised by. Uh, yeah, I, I have it here too now. Whenever okay. you're, yeah, yeah so, man, go right ahead. so your quarterback is Drew Brees. Your running backs are Melvin Gordon, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, Deion Lewis, and Jaquiz Rogers. So you took both Patriot running backs. I like that. Okay. And then your wide receivers are Marvin Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Doug Baldwin, and Willie Sneed. And then your tight end, which again, your third Patriot is Martellus Bennett. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, 
Yeah, you commented a little bit on taking both the Patriots running backs, and uh, I was actually elated to see that Deion Lewis was available where he was. I think he went overlooked because he might be back as early as next week, and if so, I mean, he's somebody who I'm really excited about moving forward. And uh, I honestly, I feel like he actually doesn't hurt LeGarrette Blunt that much because Blunt has able, been able to survive with, uh, with James White there. But because this is best ball, I really don't care because I feel like they both get game scripted in very different ways. You know, the uh, situations in which Blunt are, is going to succeed are, are the big blowout games of where the Patriots can get big leads ahead of time. And those would be games that I think Deion Lewis might also get use in. But the games in which they are close, or if anybody can really, you know, try and keep the score at least relatively close against the Patriots moving forward, Deion Lewis really has opportunities to catch a ton of balls out of the backfield. And I think that both of them, you know, in in the format being best ball, I really, I really always try and target guys who I think can have those huge weeks. And I think both are, are kind of privy to those opportunities. Yeah, for sure. And uh, on my side, I picked Jameis Winston at quarterback. Um, my running backs are David Johnson, Doug Martin, Jarek McKinnon, and Derek Henry. And then my wide receivers are uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Jameson Crowder, uh, Corey Coleman, who comes back this week, hopefully, and Jordan Matthews. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, like you said, I try to go for high upside guys. Um, and like I said, I got some injured guys who hopefully, you know, by playoff times, they're, you know, they're fully all systems go and because you know we're, we're, we're starting now uh, i'm not worried about missing you know the games they've already missed so um, i don't mind it as long as i feel you know confident that they'll come back and be effective but um it's like i said and we're not we're not done yet but it's just interesting to see you know how it's been unfolding and and where guys are going and how people feel about each about other players and um it's it's fun man it's fun to do yeah definitely it'll be really fun to see how it plays out yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we just talked a whole lot about that, which is awesome um, because it's a big thing, like you said, as far as, um, you know, preparing for next year's draft because it's never too it's never too early, man. It's never too early to think about next year and, you know, how you're going to attack things. Um, but it's just it's so interesting to kind of, you know, look at from hindsight. You know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, so it's easy to talk about. But it's just interesting to see the, you know, the difference from how people, you know, perceived it early on and how we're perceiving things now. So it's interesting. I, I do. We do obviously have some other stuff to get to. So um, I just want to we'll have some questions here from people. Also, um, some other things I wanted to bring up. Um, really quick, we we both met, we mentioned Hightower earlier because of the Ingram situation, and I'm not sure you know how you how you feel about him going forward. But I wanted to kind of ask you about him and one other guy, both running backs, rest of season going forward. I'm just curious which one you like more. Um, and they're neither, neither is a big name, just kind of they're in situations right now where they may get a lot of play. So it's Hightower or, um, James Starks rest of season. Who, 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 who would you lean towards? I think I'd have to lean towards Hightower just because, you know, with Mark Ingram's struggles, I think that it's possible that, that he could get the work and, and from what we saw last year and last week, he can be successful in that role. We did see Starks be successful last year, but I feel like we're looking at a really different Green Bay offense now, and we're kind of more in a situation where they're really going to be looking to run the ball as little as possible moving forward. It seems like they they seem to have embraced this sort of spread offense look and uh, just utilizing these uh, these receivers as much as possible in, in the short passing game. And I think that uh, 
But yeah, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence with Starks and coming back off the injury and, and being able to fill in there as, you know, this workhorse back. I, I just don't really see it. And I think that uh, that Hightower has a little bit more opportunity there if, you know, Ingram continues to fumble the ball or just in general with, with that offense just kind of suiting his, his skill set more than I think that Green Bay is currently suits Starks. Gotcha. All right. Um, kind of along the lines, last week we got sidetracked with an awesome question about dip. <laughs> we went we went crazy on dip and food. Um, you know, um, Darth uh, Pai Chai, Pai Chai, um, always sending us in good questions. I guess he got a little inspired by that, and he asked, he wanted to know chocolate or vanilla, man. Uh, for what? Just like, I guess ice cream. You know, candy guess, stuff like that. I guess that's really the go-to. ice cream was the only go-to, right? Yeah, right. Because you don't really have vanilla candy. Not really. Not really. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really know if that's a thing. <laughs> but yeah. So chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Uh, I actually, I I'm the type who I I gravitate towards vanilla more, but not like by itself. Like I'm someone who I always want like something in my ice cream. So I I would almost say like neither by themselves. Uh, I actually if like it's of the big three I, i'd probably go strawberry is the only one that i'd want by wow. coming I out know. of left field oh. with a strawberry man oh. pulling it out of my back pocket but uh but yeah i don't know i'm more of the type who like i i like ben and jerry's type stuff like i like things that's got a ton of like candy and like if you want ice cream you gotta have some candy in it and some you know syrup on it or just you gotta go over the top some sprinkles you know something yeah, exactly to me, like the best, I, I'm I'm so more. So here here's a good one in, in regards to the chocolate or vanilla. Since we realized it was ice cream right away, uh, for you, regular ice cream or shakes? Hmm. When you say regular ice cream, what do you mean by regular ice cream? Because if we're talking about like something like Ben and Jerry's, I'm going Ben and Jerry's. But if we're just talking about a bowl of like just vanilla ice cream or a shake, I'd rather have a shake. Okay. All right. I think that's fair. Because like. So the way I was thinking about it is chocolate or vanilla. So if I'm going chocolate or vanilla ice cream, I would much rather have a chocolate shake over both those. I that was you. kind of my line of thinking. But I totally agree. Like if I have like Ben and Jerry's, I'm pretty I'm pretty much gonna go for you know the, <laughs> the delicious ice cream with all the candy in it and stuff. But I don't know. That being said, I, I've had some amazing Oreo shakes in my time. So. Uh, Pro tip, if you get an Oreo shake, ask for a pump of caramel. It makes it amazing. Oh, man. Never even heard that. I know. Pro, pro tip. First first ever job was working at a uh, Culver's, which I don't know. Uh, since you're down in Florida, if you know what a Culver's is. but uh, Yeah, I've heard they, of them. I've never been to one, okay. but I've heard of them. Cool. They have frozen custard. So, you know, I, I got got hip on the, uh, the uh, ice cream custard uh uh, options i guess you could say gotcha man gotcha well we appreciate the question i'm, I'm a chocolate guy all the way though so i would definitely lean chocolate on, on on whatever it is there's a reason why we said there's no vanilla candies that we could think of because it sucks that's why um, <laughs> <laughs> um i do want to um we we have basically what we have left for the show is our no halftime challenges the foul or no fouls um i did want to just run through you know i always like to give you a list of guys and just, um, you know, see what you think about them, kind of get your feel for them. Um, so I got like five names. I just want to know, you know, going forward, if you think, you know, I kind of brought this up last week, for real, for real. Or if these guys are just, you know, no way, Jose, I want no part of them. Like going forward, um, I don't I don't believe in their in their upside. Um, I think that's what we should actually call this segment going forward. For real, for real. 
or no way jose for real for real <laughs> or no way jose that's that's what we're gonna go with it so that's what this is man we just created it right on the spot look at this geniuses man geniuses well okay maybe not but slightly creative um so so a guy that's interesting to me this this go right now I haven't heard a lot of people talking about him, but he seems to be putting up okay numbers um, in an offense that lacks um, playmakers or dealing with injuries. Um, Tyree Kill, man. Is he for real for real, or is he no way, Jose? You know, I I, I don't know. Tyree Kill is he's, – he's one of those guys who right now he he's kind of shocked me. He kind of came out of left field, so I don't really know really enough about him. I, I mean, if I'm honestly just like – you know, saying the truth, I, I really don't know enough about Tyreek Hill to, to give probably a, a fair perspective on him. But I think that you just you can't rely on anyone in that offense. Like, that's kind of how I feel. That's the thing that I kind of keep coming back to. So I, I, I don't think he's anyone I'd get excited about. But I, I don't know, man. I'd have to turn that one back on you. And, you know, you asked the question, but do you have really a perspective on Tyreek Hill? Because I, I, I unfortunately don't. I, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like some long history on this guy. Like I didn't like follow him in college and everything. I do know that when the Chiefs drafted him, I believe it was kind of like a gamble. Um, he's, he's, got, he's a guy with a lot of speed, um, which, you know, again, their offense doesn't always capitalize on stuff like that. But it just seems like recently they've been kind of taking advantage of it um, because of like the bye weeks and the injuries. Like I'm not mad at you if you start Tyreek Hill. Um, just because of like in your flex or whatever, you know, because of the explosiveness and the, and the cap- you know, the ability that he has to do it. Um, I'm actually starting him in one of my leagues. Cause I got like so many guys on by so many guys injured. It's like, I'm just riddled with it. So I'm actually, you know, throwing him in the flex and just, you know, kind of throwing it out there as a shot in the dark, you know, but, um, the fact that he's, you know, the last few weeks, he's been pretty decently consistent. Um, you know, whether he can carry that the rest of the way, I don't know. Um, as teams start to kind of you know, key in on him. You know, Macklin hasn't done much, so I don't know if, um, you know, Hill is a product of Macklin doing nothing or it's a, you know, a product of people only kind of keying in on Macklin since he's like kind of one of the only threats or Kelsey, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but like you said, the offense itself doesn't, you know, make you very confident, <laughs> you know, um, besides their running backs with, you know, when they're healthy. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, with Nick Foles back there, maybe. Maybe he has, you know, an opportunity to do a little bit more than he did with Alex Smith. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, we're in a bye week that is just, it's the worst. Like, it makes you, I don't know about everybody else, but it just, it makes me lament fantasy in a way. Because it's just, it's so hard this week to find viable options. And I'm running into a lot of situations where literally my bench is just filled with people on bye weeks or injured players who I'm holding on to. And, like, the only players who I could start this week, I am starting this week. So I don't know how many other people are in those you know, sort of similar situations. But, yeah, man, if you've got a roll Tyree kill out there, there's a lot worse options. And, you know, <laughs> he, he scored touchdowns this year, you know. He's yeah. got four touchdowns on the year, three in the last four games he's played. So, like, he's a guy, especially in standard scoring leagues, that, you know, you can put in and, and hope for that magical touchdown. Yeah, kind of like Will Fuller has been. You know, sort of. He's a speedster. He's kind of made some big plays, but he's been really quiet in between those. You know, it might be something like that. Um, yeah, he. I think it's kind of similar to how you feel most of the time about, like, a tight end in a standard scoring league. Yeah. Like, it's going to be touchdown at Boston. Yeah. So uh, uh, the next guy I got to throw at you here, 
you know, he's been super disappointing this year, especially compared to how people have been um, coming into the year, kind of touting him. Um, so the question is, is not so much is the guy for real, for real, but is the lack of his, you know, producing here that he hasn't done anything. Is that for real, for real? Or, you know, no way, Jose, he's going to turn it around. And that's Michael Floyd. Oh, man, I, I'm starting to think it's for real, for real, that he just he's just not that great. Uh, I mean, I I was on Michael Floyd coming into this year. I mean, I was on that whole Arizona pass offense, but it looks like he's lost his job to J.J. Nelson, and I don't think there's any getting it back. Um, he is a free agent next year, if I remember correctly, and I think that the rest of this year he's just not somebody who I'm looking to who I'm looking to start unless, you know, like I said, this week, if you've got to throw somebody out there, you can throw them out there, I guess. But I, I really would be trying to find other options. Like even So this is one, Tyreek Hill versus Michael Floyd this week. I'm probably going Tyreek Hill. Gotcha. Gotcha. I agree, I agree with you on that. I wasn't a fan of him coming into the year. I, I wasn't someone who bought into the hype. I seen it. I seen what people were saying, but I, I never got crazy about it. And I agree with you. I would kind of um, pull back on that right now. A guy who you would start over him, I'm assuming, from our talks earlier and I want to know if you think this guy is Pharrell Pharrell, and I believe you think he is Kendall Wright. Uh, I definitely do. Um, just to clarify, though, I think that uh, I was totally wrong a second ago because Michael Floyd doesn't play this week. But uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely don't start him this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely don't start Michael Floyd this week. <laughs> You're but, definitely uh, starting Hale over him and anybody else who's playing. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, so with Kendall Wright, uh, yeah, I've been really excited to see the emergence of Kendall Wright. Uh, I have him in Dynasty in a few spots and kind of a sneaky start uh, in a lot of situations. And if uh, if he has a game, it seems like he has only big games or terrible games. So it'll just be a matter of seeing if he can have another big game. Yeah, so kind of boomer bust, but you do feel he's more for real, for real than no way, Jose. Definitely. Okay. Um, two two running backs I want to get you really quick. Um, this guy you would have more feelings for than other people because he's on your team that you're a fan of, uh, and that's Jordan Howard, man. He's been, you know, when he, when he started tearing it up, everyone's like, this guy's for real, for real. And then, you know, Kadeem Carey started getting some carries. Things got a little weird. And then people were like, no way, Jose. But now, again, he had a, a good week. So, you know, as a, as a Bears fan, as a as a fantasy, you know, you know, you're you're a veteran at this. Do you think he's for real, for real going forward, or no way, Jose? I mean, I think he's got to be for real, for real. I uh, I've been terrible in this uh, Bears running back situation all year. <laughs> I I was more of a joy. I, I mean, I just I did not see Jordan Howard coming, and then as soon as Kadeem Carey started getting touches, I thought that you know it was going to be more of a split situation and. Like I said, just I've been I've been terribly wrong. So coming out of the bye, three of their next four matchups are against b- bottom ten uh, pa- or rush defenses. So with that in mind, I think that he has a lot of opportunity to be a guy who can really support you down the stretch. And you know, I uh, I don't really think that there's many people that you can bench him for because right. the situation being what it is across the running back landscape, there's not too many guys you can really rely on and. Jordan Howard is a guy who's shown himself to be reliable, so I think he's pretty much a must-start moving forward, and uh, I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to find better options. If you've got him, you know, shoot, you're doing better than I am. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny how these things just play right into each other because reliability and volume is this last guy that I want to throw at you. 
And so it's not a question of his ability. It's a question of whether his team is for real, for real on giving this guy more time or no way, Jose, they're just going to, you know, do this inconsistency stuff. And that's Derrick Henry. I'm going to say no way, Jose. Um, I think that Derrick Henry is just an amazing talent, and I'm so excited to see what he does there in future years. But for this year, um, I just I just don't see it. I mean, yeah, he got 16 carries last week and, you know, 20 touches, and that was just this huge situation. But it was against Jacksonville, and they were just destroying him. I mean, it was a Thursday night game. They've got a large break. I mean, Great matchup this week. If you have Derrick Henry and you're in a situation where bye weeks are hurting you, you cannot be happier to start somebody who just has a limited opportunity. Uh, San Diego's done terrible against the rush this year, so I think that uh, he's definitely a guy who you can get in your lineup this week. But beyond that, I, I think that he's going to be a guy who's just kind of a spot start and uh, somebody who you know can maybe be a worthwhile flex. But I just I can't. I can't rely on him yet. I, I just can't rely on him yet. Um, you know, I think he's owned in almost all leagues. If he's not owned in your league and, you know, you're debating picking him up, he's he's definitely someone too, unless you've got like a really, really short bench. But uh but yeah, I mean it, it's just it's a situation where as long as Murray's healthy, he's the guy there. And unless we run into a situation where Murray somehow misses this week, but you know, he's practicing full with with his foot injury and you know so i doubt that that he misses time but if we run into a situation where henry does get the workload here i I mean that's something to get excited about but for the time being it's just a limited opportunity limited role kind of flex guy yeah for sure like you said i mean you'd think they have to keep squeezing this guy in more and more but you know murray is so good and so talented like you know how much can they possibly give him they're not going to take it away from murray so you know if you're in dynasty and you have him obviously you know you're in a great situation um but this year it's like you said it's hard to rely it's probably gonna be like an inconsistent type of thing um so that was fun man i like that i like that game man that was fun um but finished with that game and we're going to play a game that we play every single week and that's our no halftime our no halftime challenges which you know truth be told i'm having a rough time man so you know, I guess we're going to do this again in, in hopes, you know, for me at least, in hopes that I, you know, close the gap a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, it's 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 been going in my favor. Uh, <laughs> right now, we're, we've done five weeks of it so far. We missed a few weeks in there. We started a week late. So um, right now, we're five weeks into it. So you've got plenty of time to catch up still there's more weeks left than we've played so far we're not even at the halfway point so you still got plenty of time to catch up i currently am leading you 16 to 9 so uh you know i've got got a bit of bit of a lead on you here so let's get into it and uh see if any of these are gonna help you turn it around yeah for sure i want to let you start off this week i want to try to switch my mojo around a little bit here you know Maybe I'll act a little superstitious or something and see. Maybe if I let you say the guys first, I'll get the luck on the backside. So <laughs> you go ahead and tell us. So go ahead and start with your quarterback. All right, man. So at quarterback, uh, I'm going with a real sneaky start this week. I actually picked him up and I'm playing him in, uh, over Tyrod Taylor in two leagues. And uh, he's somebody who I actually think could be as good as like a top 10 option this week. And that's Colin Kaepernick uh, for San Francisco going up against New Orleans. You know, they're playing at home. Um, They seem to be really in this situation where Chip Kelly's offense is running a little bit better through Cap than it was through Gabbard. And uh, 
I think that more than anything, it's a situation where I'm embracing Colin Kaepernick's rushing ability against New Orleans, who has a bad rush defense. And I'm hoping that, especially with the scoring being the way it is and no halftime with advantages towards uh, rushing quarterbacks for rushing yards and also getting six points per rushing touchdown versus four for a passing touchdown, that Cap can hopefully either find the end zone or get like 80 yards rushing for me and uh, really help me in this in this matchup. And uh, yeah, I, I really like the, the matchup for him as a runner. As a passer, I think that, you know, New Orleans isn't a huge threat, but I, I'm not as excited. But I think that that, that rushing floor really helps. And uh, hopefully it'll help me take over whoever you decided to throw up against Kaepernick. And who was that? Yeah, man, he- hearing your uh, your explanation there of him, I might have to get some no halftime money challenges out there for me <laughs> for Kaepernick, man. Gonna have to slide him out there, like you said, sneaky man. That's what no halftime is about, man. When it comes to making challenges, you gotta get sneaky challenges that people see the name and they're like, "No way, man! I'm gonna take that, take that challenge all day long." And then you like, you know, catch him off guard. So Kaepernick's definitely a good play overall. Period in no halftime. Um, I'm gonna counter that with a man who needs to keep his job amongst a veteran, injured veteran, trying to come back and take it, trying to steal it out from under him. I'm going with Dak Prescott, man. He's playing Cleveland. Obviously, I love the matchup because I couldn't love the matchup more than a team who doesn't have a win yet. Um, Dak Prescott's been consistent. I feel like the guy won't lose me this challenge. I won't have to worry about him losing it for me. I think he'll be a playmaker in this game. You know, I think he's going to show the Cowboys in this game, you're not pulling this job from me. So I feel good. He's got his job on the line. He's he's gonna do it, man. Uh, you know, I, I love the matchup that we have here, but you know, I think I got the advantage, man. Oh, I mean, you know, they are playing Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing New Orleans. I'm playing Cleveland. I mean, we both got that going in our favor. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, who do you have at running back then for me? All right, man. So now on the opposite side of that same game that I targeted the first time. For running back, uh, I'm going with a guy who had a horrible week last week looking for the rebound, and that's uh, Mark Ingram for New Orleans. He uh, he got benched last week after fumbling, and uh, I think that that was more of a one-game thing. He's going up against the single worst rush defense in the NFL so far this year, San Francisco. And I think that we're in a situation where the reason I like Cap is game script-wise, I think New Orleans is going to get a huge lead on him. Um, one thing that's really benefited quarterbacks and running backs against San Francisco this year, and it's kind of the counter to the Chip Kelly offense, is you know Chip Kelly is famous for having this fast-paced offense. The downside to that is, well, you're putting the other team's offense on the field for the majority of the game. And what it's done is it's putting his defenses in a position where they're trying to you know catch up and, and they're constantly on the field and they're constantly tired. And it's really not the most effective way to approach a football game. And, and I think that people are realizing that and Chip Kelly might not be long for the NFL because of that. But in regards to this particular matchup, I think if Mark uh, Ingram gets the opportunity again to be the lead back there, and even if he doesn't, even if Hightower still gets a bunch of carries, we've seen in different uh, matchups that San Francisco has allowed multiple running backs to be successful against them. So this is a big matchup play, uh, and it's also a big opportunity for Mark Ingram to kind of seize the running back position back from Tim Hightower and just have a 
big week after after fumbling last week and be able to kind of just cement that job, similar to what you were saying about Dak. But uh, I think Ingram, you know, has more of an opportunity to kind of grab a hold of that position and, and take it back for himself this week. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Mark Ingram fan, man. But hopefully Hightower, you know, gets Mark Ingram shelved here, man, because I'm trying to get some wins. I'm trying to close the gap. And that'll be beautiful, man. Because I won't, I won't even get that one voided. Because not like they're gonna not play him. So they'll just, right? you know, they'll make him active, man. Hopefully, hopefully, I got this. I'm gonna go against you with Jonathan Stewart. A couple of reasons for this. Now he's not playing the most terrible defense like uh, Ingram's playing, but he's playing the Rams. But I feel good about Jonathan Stewart. I feel like he's kind of, you know, underrated at this point because of the the Cam Newton injuries. Um, this is the one reason why I'm saying this. I, I'm not really a Jonathan Stewart fan. I'm not crazy about his game. I've never really been one. I've never been a guy to own him or anything in leagues. Um, but with the with the whole Cam Newton situation where he's afraid to get hit, you know, he's he's you know really bothered by it. And I just feel like you know we've seen the last couple of weeks Stewart getting a lot of goal line carries or getting touchdowns, um, which was kind of his knock because Cam Newton stole them all. Um, but now with Cam Newton trying not to get hurt, understandably, you know, looking out for his health. Um, I think Stewart is going to be, you know, low key, a guy that, you know, can, can win you some games, you know, the rest of the year. And so I feel good about this week. Um, the, the Panthers trying to protect Cam Newton um, against a pretty hard hitting Rams defense. Um, so I feel good, man. Jonathan Stewart. So Ingram Stewart, I think we both have, um, you know, some risks there, but we also see the upside in our guy. Definitely. All right, man. So then at wide receiver this week, uh, I went with a guy who's just been an insane target target hog the last two weeks, 30 targets over the past two weeks combined. And that's Devonta Adams over in uh, Green Bay. I think uh, with the situation in uh, Green Bay with Rodgers, you know, having so many wide receivers that have just been struggling with injury between Jordy and what Cobb's going through. Adams has really shown himself to be a reliable target and is just really catching everything that's thrown his way. And I think that uh, in a matchup against Indianapolis where it's most likely going to be a high-scoring back-and-forth game, he's going to have an opportunity to at least get a touchdown in there and probably be another big target hog who has an opportunity to catch 8 to 10 balls. And, you know, if if he does, I think that with the targets are going to come lots of yards and and hopefully some red zone looks too to to really cement with him as a, a really good play this week. I see your Devonta Adams, and I'm gonna match him up against Brandon Cooks. Man, it seems like we both been kind of hovering over this game, the San Francisco uh, Saints game, um, from from both sides. Um, but I feel good, Brandon Cooks. San Francisco's defense hasn't been the greatest, like you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, and holding back anybody really. But um, you know, you explained all the reasons for that, so I'm not gonna go into that. Uh, with the Chip Kelly situation and everything. But I just like Brandon Cook. Brandon Cooks this week. I like his chances. Um, I think it's one of those weeks where, you know, Brandon Cooks, we seem to get 30 points, then we get 8 points, and we get 30-something points, then we get 6 points. I think we get a 30-something point week from him. So I feel great about our matchup. Awesome, man. So that, that'll be that'll be a tough one. Anytime that uh, anytime you're going up against New Orleans, it's tough. So I know uh, it's away from home. Which isn't great for them, but yeah, exactly. That's but my one, mean, you know, that's the one thing that's that's throwing a wrench in there. But I, I'm still, I'm feeling good still about it. Yeah, Cooks is that guy who can just have a gigantic play any moment. So it's really one of those situations where just one play can cause him to beat Devonta Adams, who's maybe a guy who's going to catch a lot more passes over the course of the game. For sure. All right, man. So if we uh, move over to tight end this week, we uh, we. 
are going deep at the tight end position. I uh, I went with the best possible matchup, but a guy who probably is going overlooked by a lot of people this week. But if you're in a situation where your tight end is on by, he's a guy who coming off by uh, I think has a good opportunity, and that's uh, Lance Kendricks for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. He's going up against Carolina this week. Uh, Carolina's defense has been actually really bad against the pass this year, and particularly against tight ends. They're the worst in the league, so I think that it's a prime matchup for him, and he's a guy that, you know, like I've said before, in standard leagues, a lot of times you're just kind of hoping for a touchdown. He only has one on the year, so he's not like a lock by any means, but I think with the matchup being in his favor and with his last touchdown coming against the Detroit Lions, who are the second worst team in the league against tight ends, it puts him in a position where hopefully he can get that touchdown catch, and hopefully that's enough to beat whoever you decide to put up against him this week. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's exactly what I looked at for my guy. I looked for a guy who, you know, I like his chances of catching a touchdown, and that's pretty much all I'm hoping for from him um, because I don't have crazy high hopes for my tight end. But I'm going with Virgil Green. Um, as you know, I've been kind of um, running this, uh, you know, this same pattern throughout our, our no halftime challenges for tight ends. Um, it seems like every week I just pick whatever tight end is playing Oakland. Um, <laughs> it does seem that I, way. I haven't always, I don't think I've ever won yet against you with it. I don't but think it has I know worked, like no. the last couple of weeks, Julius Thomas, Cameron Bray, both caught touchdowns against you. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to just hope that Virgil Green is a little more part of the offense. He catches a touchdown, but he still does just a little bit extra um, because I need to, I need to win one of these tight end ones, but I'm definitely um, going against that, that Raider, uh, you know, against tight end uh, pattern here. So um, we're both looking for a touchdown. It's kind of the best you could hope for, but I need a little more, man. I just need, I don't know what, why I'm falling short against you at tight end, but I'm thinking Virgil Green takes me out of that hole this week. All right, man. So lastly, we've got our flex matchup this week, and uh, we decided to change it up for the first time since we've been doing the no halftime challenges. We, uh, we've kind of always stayed to those traditional positional flex options. And uh, this week we decided to go off the rails and, and throw some kickers at you. So for all You're crazy. On yes, by, sir. Yeah, exactly. For anybody on by looking to find some, some, some deep kickers, um, <laughs> we didn't go with those guys. We went with guys who are most likely already on rosters. So, so we're not even helping anybody in that regard. We're just, we're just being weird and using kickers. So, I went with a, a kicker who has been super reliable this year and is in a great matchup to have kind of a high-scoring game. Uh, one of the things that I look at often when playing uh, kickers in matchups are, are Vegas totals, uh, especially for game totals that uh, combined scores are really high in. And particularly this matchup this week has a really nice combined score, and that's uh, the Indianapolis-Green Bay matchup and Adam Benetieri's the kicker who I'm going with. So hopefully it's a high scoring game. Hopefully the Colts uh, end up frozen in the red zone a little too much and have to kick far too many field goals. And uh, who did you decide to throw up against him this week in this kicker matchup? Yeah. Well, I mean, not only has your kicker been reliable this year, but it's just been kind of his thing throughout his entire career. Um, He's been Mr. Reliable. So um, you picked a good one. I'm going to go up against him with a, with a up and comer young gunner Lambo. Lambo for the Chargers. Um, you know they're playing. Um, they're playing. Uh, man, why don't I just blank out who they're playing now? They're playing Tennessee. Um, so you know it could be a high-scoring game. 
you know, Tennessee has that that uh, in them to you know to have some high scoring games. They've done it recently, um, and I think you know the Chargers. The only way they win games is to, is to kind of go back and forth with you. So um, I like my chances here. Um, you know, you got old, old reliable, old faithful um, versus the up and coming Lambo. So we'll see what happens. I don't really want to go too much into breaking this down because it seems kind of weird to break down kickers. So um, <laughs> just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you took Lambo. I'm got a kicker playing in Lambo. Ooh, spooky. That's all the kicker spooky, needs. man. That's all the analysis we need. That's right. All right. Well, that's it for our no halftime challenges. As always, if you're listening, I know you already have the app. I know you're already using it. I know you're already playing weekly. But if you're not, you can find no halftime as a sponsor of the Cloud Dodgers podcast since day one. Um, you can get them on your iTunes store, your Android store, nohalftime.com. Use the promo code CLOCK100, and they will match um, anything, any deposit you make, your first deposit up to $100, um, and that trickle-down effect that they do. Um, but, yeah, so no halftime. Definitely uh, the way to go for DFS where you can play player versus player challenges um, rather than draft and hold teams and, and hoping to get lucky. Um, that's really all for the show. The last thing we want to do is our foul or no foul. You know we cannot go without that happening. Are you ready for foul or no foul, Adam? Always. Always. We are always ready for this. It's that time again. <laughs> Let's play another round of foul or no foul. I got five good ones. Um, you know, mix it up a little bit. Some football, some fantasy, some non-football. Um, so let's just start at number one. Let's make it happen. The first, this one actually, this foul or no foul actually was kind of generated because of the, the Cubs World Series. I actually think I have kind of two kind of around that. It's such an impact on my life. No. <laughs> um, so this one here, the first foul or no foul is going to be during the process of reaching any level of success, whether it's at a job, whether it's at you know sports, no matter which, what, however you want to characterize it, um, how you get there does not matter, only the end result, foul or no foul. I think that's a foul. I honestly think the journey is more important than the result oftentimes in life. Um, I mean, this is just getting philosophical more than anything, but I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Um, I mean... I don't have anything that I'd think of as like some gigantic accomplishment in my life. So I'll turn over to um, people who, you know, I've listened to from motivational speakers to just people who've been successful in business or, uh, you know, in things like acting or comedy or anything like that. For a lot of those people, the best time in their life is, you know, when they're struggling, but when they're succeeding while struggling. And, And it's kind of embracing the struggle that I think can benefit people the most in in life and and in who you become as a person through that adversity so i think that uh yeah i think it's even the exact opposite maybe that the journey is worth a lot more than where you're going builds character what and one of the things that kind of brought that up in a a little bit different of a light sort of was um a lot of people criticize like the cubs manager for putting them in holes a lot and making bad decisions um so you know a lot of people say man you know sure he got them to the to the championship and they won it but he didn't help them along the way but it's kind of hard to say that when you won a championship you know what i mean obviously he did something right um so it's just kind of one of those things was you know the struggles that he put them through the reason why they rose you know what i mean in, in such a in such a bad situation when things got tough um it's a it's an interesting way to look at it we just got philosophical on here man Who, whoever knew that would i know yeah, and in reference to the Cubs, man, I, I can't say it for any game beyond Game 7 because, like I said, I, I didn't watch. I'm not a baseball guy. <laughs> I'm a Cubs fan. 
but I, uh, I mean, I grew up playing baseball. My younger brother, you know, played traveling baseball. My dad was a baseball coach. So I know baseball as like a sport. And I was just cringing with some of the decisions that were happening towards the end of that game, especially in regards to not, uh, not switching pitchers in the eighth inning. Uh, even just after that double had occurred, I, I just, oh my God, I, I just couldn't believe it. And when, uh, when Cleveland came back to tie the game, it was one of those situations where like, I wasn't even upset with that pitcher when they talked about how much he's been throwing in recent games, because He's a closer, you know. What we know about closers, even if you have just a basic knowledge of baseball, is that they're guys who do not throw a lot of pitches. They come in and pitch an inning, maybe two innings at most, and they don't even do it every game. They do it every couple games. So they're guys who, you know, thrive on throwing a small number of pitches and doing so extremely well. And when you have a guy who you just keep rolling out there, hoping that he can just hold up, I think that you're, you know, not making the right decision as a coach. And uh, like I said, I mean, who am I to criticize? I don't have a huge background in in, uh, baseball by any stretch of the imagination. But from what I saw on Twitter, I wasn't the only one who was upset. (laughs) Exactly. That's what kind of you know, raise the question. And, and, and like I said, like, and like you mentioned, maybe that struggle that he's put them through is why they rose to the occasion, man. Who knows? Very well um, could be. <laughs> so let, let's jump over to number two. And again, this is um, kind of, you know, inspired by the Cubs. Um, no team will ever wait as long as the Cubs waited 108 years to win a championship. Foul or no foul? God, I, I hope that's a no foul. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, that, that would just be so painful. I mean, like we were talking about, like Cleveland, it's been since the 40s. That would mean that they would have to wait until like the 2040s. Like, I don't know about you, but whenever I think that far in the future, my head just goes all scrambly and I get scared. Yes. <laughs> so like, I, I really have no idea what that world is going to look like and don't even want to attempt to imagine it. So I'm, I'm just not. And uh, in that regard, I, uh, I think that, you know. I just, I I hope that no one has to wait that long to win anything. And, you know, the amount of elation that Cubs fans got to feel for for getting to win, I think probably most cities are going to feel if they go beyond 50 years. So uh, let's not go too far beyond that. (laughs) We don't even want to think about it. Yeah, it's just too long, man. It's just too long. It's wrong. Um, We talked about this guy, you know, fantasy-wise here um, a little bit this show, but... It's an interesting question here. 2016 Tim Hightower can be 2015's playoff Tim Hightower. Foul or no foul? Uh, I think it's no foul. I mean, like I said, I mean, I picked Mark Ingram for no halftime this week. I think he will rebound and will kind of get the workload there. But we're only halfway through the fantasy season. So there is still risk of injury. There still is risk of Mark Ingram continuing to not really play at an elite level. And if that keeps happening, oh, yeah, Tim Hightower definitely has a shot. And as we've talked about before, you know, they have great fantasy playoff matchups against Tampa Bay two weeks. And uh, I think that, you know, Ingram could could really win people fantasy championship. Or, I'm sorry, Mark. Uh, ah, I just said Mark Ingram again. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Tim Hightower could eventually win people fantasy championships if. Mark Ingram misses time, or if he, you know, loses touches to, to Hightower. Totally agree. All right, we got two more here. 
Um, so we've seen the Patriots trading away guys, right? We seen they just traded Jamie Collins for a third round pick. They traded Chandler Jones, I think it was before the season started. Um, they have a history of doing this. Lloyd Malloy, Richard Seymour, all kinds of guys. Um, so um, recently, someone asked Tom Brady about you know about guys being traded, and you know he he responded. I don't have the exact quote, but that you know the situation can certainly happen to him as well. That Brady could be traded. Um, it happens to everybody. Um, and that it could happen to Tom Brady. So my so the so the foul or no foul is is Tom Brady lying? I mean, come on, is, is this guy serious? So is the is is the possibility the poss there is a poss actually let's just do it this way. Tom Brady can be traded from the Patriots. Foul or no foul? Foul. He's not getting traded. Are we crazy? What's this dude? Like, he, he's we'll just get... he's just giving us some humble pie, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. He he's just you know, playing politician, which Tom Brady does oh so well. And, uh, yeah, he, he totally is is completely wrong. I mean, that team is Bill Belichick's and Tom Brady's more than any other team in the entire NFL is any coach or any quarterback's team. I mean, you know, we saw it with Peyton Manning, who people didn't think could get traded, or not traded, but couldn't get moved either, and, and he left Indianapolis for Denver. Um, but, that was a situation where it was an injury. They had a, you know, number one overall pick and literally the best quarterback prospect in the last decade was sitting there for him. So if you want all the stars to align perfectly, well, that's what happened. You have to get Peyton Manning out of the jersey that he wore for the majority of his career. And I think that that would kind of have to be the same thing with Tom Brady. And even in that situation, I could see the Patriots, you know, drafting their quarterback and using Brady until the end of Brady's career. That being said, there's no way that the Patriots put themselves in that position, as we saw at the beginning of this year. Even if Tom Brady missed the entire season, the Patriots are a playoff team. Like it's pretty impossible for them not to be. The coaching there is amazing. The you know drive there is amazing, and uh, I think that you know Tom Brady's going to finish his career there for sure. We appreciate the humble pie, Tom, but we don't believe you. The last foul or no foul. Um, this was, a, again, a quote from a player. I think, I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Um, I don't have the word-for-word word thing here. But TJ Ward, um, safety of the Broncos, said, in his opinion, the Raiders have two good receivers, not two elite receivers. Foul or no foul on this statement? I, I'd say foul. I mean, what what do you count as elite? Like, I guess unless there's only five guys in the NFL who count as elite, then maybe, yeah, sure, they're not top five receivers. But, man, so far this year, they've both played, like, top 15 receivers, maybe top 20 if, you know, you want to stretch it out. But they've been fantastic. I mean, what Michael Crabtree has done in the red zone this year has just been phenomenal. And, I mean, really, that whole offense has just been just mind-bogglingly good i mean as a raiders fan i'm sure you're over the moon with how well Derek carr has been doing but yeah i mean those two guys are elite I, I really don't know how you could not call them elite when they're both probably top 20 assets in the nfl this year tj Ward's a hater bro haters come gonna on, hate haters gonna, come on man he don't know them raider receivers are for really for real for real come on man for real. they're no way jose in his opinion but he's wrong all right, man. <laughs> so that is it for this episode. We are gearing up and heading into week nine. Um, man, do you have any, anything else? Any Anything else you want to give the listeners before we let them go? 
No, man, uh, it's been a fun week. I mean, really hats off to the Chicago Cubs being able to finally win a World Series and really hats off to those kids who are out there playing. I mean, the craziest thing anymore as I'm getting older is just realizing that most professional athletes are younger than me, and it's weird. But uh, but really, I mean, to have that you know pressure on you after 108 years and to really come in in the clutch and, and be able to win it, and realize that really, I mean, that that championship, as much as it's for the city and everybody who's waited this long is so elated by it, it it's for those kids, man, working their asses off to finally reach their dream of playing professional baseball and then to be able to win a World Series at, you know, a, or for a team that has waited such a long time and, you know, be able to bring that feeling to a city. It, it's an hugely uplifting thing so even as somebody who's not a baseball fan it was really amazing to be able to take part in that and I think that that really shows people the power of sports and I think that that's kind of you know at the heart of why we do this too you know fantasy football for us is part of football and is part of sports and the fun thing about sports is it causes a lot of people to come together around something and it really it can cause an emotional roller coaster and uh Really, for me, the most fun thing last night was watching my girlfriend's reaction, who she's not even a Chicago native, and she you know, is normally the type of person who doesn't watch any sports and is not really into it, and she was on the edge of her seat freaking out, and it was, it was really, really cool to see and just realize the power of professional sports and, and the power of you know, a, a storyline like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, congrats to the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs. Shout out to the Cleveland Indians, man. You guys are next, hopefully. We don't want you guys to wait 108 years. Um, hey, and, and also, salute off to um, Andre Johnson, man, for a great career. He seemed to uh, follow in Arian Foster's footsteps here and kind of hang him up. Yeah. Um, it, whether you're just an NFL fan or a fantasy fan, you know the dude is was pretty remarkable. You know, so, um, you know, it's just kind of that thing. We You know, they come and they go, man. So. Really quick, man, around uh, around Andre Johnson, because I, I heard them discussing this on another podcast, uh, I think a few months ago, but I thought it was a really interesting discussion. Uh, Hall of Fame or not, what do you think? Man, I, I think so. I think so. Really? You know, I mean, it, it depends on, you know, I guess, you know, okay, like, for instance, do you think Larry Fitzgerald is Hall of Fame? I think Larry Fitzgerald's a lock for the Hall of Fame. I, I really do. But I don't think Andre Johnson is. I think that he might not make it. and. I know, you know, it's one of those things. He's had some really good seasons, man. I know. I mean, he really has. And uh, I think the biggest difference is Larry at least made it to a Super Bowl. You know, he has at least that added pedigree. Um, But, hey, man, it's tough. I mean, I'm glad I'm not the one voting. Maybe Andre Johnson hung around Houston a little too long, man. Yeah, maybe. Him and and Matt Schaub, the gunslinger Matt Schaub. Oh, God, I know. It's so so tough when you have these great wide receivers who played the prime of their career with bad quarterbacks. And, you know, the only thing Larry's done is he's played great over the last few seasons as he's aging. And he, uh, I mean, God, Larry Fitzgerald just seems like a guy who's just going to keep going and going and going. Yeah. But one day he'll hang him up like Andre, man. Soon. Yeah, I mean, so, there were rumors that it was going to be uh, that it was going to be this year. Uh, I remember at uh, at some point during the season, but he kind of squashed those. It's just rumors. Yeah, well, we'll see, man. But either way, great careers by both men, and hopefully, hopefully, they end up in the Hall of Fame. You know, we'll Definitely, see. Man. Hopefully, they do. All right, great man. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it for today. That's it for this week. We will be back next Thursday. 
for the next kicker duel <laughs> and with tons of other fantasy advice, insight, and other things that aren't fantasy because that's what we do here. I mean, we got philosoph- philosophy, philosophical. How, how, how do we say it? How do we get today? Philosophical? Philosophical? I don't know. We did something like that. Philosophical, my Philosophical. Man. There we go, man. I just wanted to let you, you know, show your stuff off, man. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> let you, I didn't let you brag today about anything, you know, as far as you know, flexing that mind skill. So, had to, had to let you do that. But uh, it was, it was a good, a good, good talk, man. And uh, we'll do this again next week. All right. Have a good night, man. Later, man. Thank you, as always, to Adam at the other FF guy on Twitter. You know what I mean? He's been he's been around every single Thursday like clockwork and we've been knocking these things out to give you guys, you know, the insight, the advice, answering your questions, having fun with this. Not just giving you information, but having fun with this and entertaining you along the line, along the way. Excuse me. It's not easy, but we got you. Shout out to Adam again at the other FF guy. That's where you want to follow him on Twitter. Hit him up on there. Super responsive, super helpful. Hit him up. Good guy. Funny guy. And uh, highly recommend it. It's a good follow. You're already following out at Clock Dodgers, right? So, I mean, it only makes sense that you follow other Clock Dodgers. That's how we do this thing. I want to mention, you guys know the no halftime drill. If you're not using it now, I don't know what's wrong with you. I think you're probably clinically insane, but that's okay. You can still fix that. Admitting you have the problem is the first step. The next step is correcting the problem, and that correction is downloading the no halftime app. And getting it cracking on there. You can always challenge me if you dare. My name on there is Clock Dodgers, of course. Um, the other app that I've been associated with, the other app that I've been working with and building with here um, uh, from the from the ground up now, this is a fairly new company. Um, and you guys know I don't put my stamp on anything unless I really, really mess with it and really, really like it. And that's Fananas. Last week, we had a room set up. There was a $50 Visa gift card on there you could win. Um, anyone who used the promo code CLOCK actually got a free entry. A free entry. You're not paying the normal $5 entry to get into the contest, into the Clock Dodger room. You don't have to pay that if you just use the promo code. That's for your first time. Your promo code CLOCK. Um, we did fill the room, and someone did win the gift card. Shout out to Jeff for that. He is a, he is a happy owner of a $50 Visa gift card for free. Um, we need to fill that room up again this week. With the same faces, with new faces, we can fill up a second room if you guys really want. I don't care, but I know you guys want to, you know, get free money or, you know, get into a a challenge, a daily fantasy sports challenge for very little money with a good prize. If even if even if you do pay the five dollars this week and you win fifty dollars, I mean, come on, come on, do the math, guys. You're only going against fifteen people in the room. I love your odds in that situation. Download the Fananas app again on your iPhone device, your Android device. When you, when you what happens is you set a tiebreaker lineup when you first get on there. Don't get confused. You set up your tiebreaker lineup. Just put the guys in there that you want to use for that. Then once you're in there, you click on the rooms section on the left hand side. You scroll down to you see the Clock Dodgers room. This week is a fifty dollar Amazon gift card. Hooking you guys up. You know what I'm saying? And um. You just click on that. It's going to ask you if this is your first time doing it. You say, yes, I have a promo code. The promo code is CLOCK. You type it in, and your entry is free for that contest. If you're not new to this, of course, you're going to pay the $5. <laughs> but again, this is, you know, you, you got to gamble a little bit here. You got to bet on yourself. Invest in yourself to turn it into a bigger profit. Um, I want to see you guys again there this week, this weekend. You got to hurry up and do it now, though. Sunday is uh, upon us. It's, it's right around the corner. So, 
Get your guys in there now. Get your lineup in there now. The crazy thing about Fanatics is your goal, obviously, like any other daily fantasy sports app or fantasy app for that matter, is to get as many points as possible. The kicker with Fanatics is you do draft a whole team, but there's no salary cap. Yeah, you heard me. No salary cap. If that's not Fanatics to you, I don't know what it is. That's bananas, bro. No salary cap? Just just think about that for a second. You always had to deal with the salary cap and you know, you strategize around that. But imagine strategizing around a system where there is no salary cap. You don't want to draft the same players as everybody else, but you want to get the guys that you think are gonna score the most points. So you gotta man, listen, there's so much different angles to take on this app and, and, and ways to win these contests. And again, a fifty dollar Amazon gift cards on the line this week. Another great thing about Fanatics is you guys can always tell me some awesome ideas you would like for the um, prize. If you guys think, if you guys could think of something really cool, um, shoot it my way, and I could try to make that happen. So, um, again, I'm asking you guys to join me here, Fananas. Set your count up. Use the promo code Clock for your first game. It's free. It's on me. So, promo code Clock when you join the Clock Dodgers room, you'll get a free entry into that. It's only one time. And then um, from there on, man, let's just keep having fun. I'm, I'm just looking for more ways for us guys to interact, to have fun and fancy football and sports and DFS and whatever we can. And I'm always open to your suggestions, too. So hit me up if you're interested in, in doing something, collaborating and making this whole um, Clock Dodgers plus you thing work out. OK, if you guys have any questions, streaming questions, go to clockdodgers.com. Three great, three great articles per week, every single week, set up just for you guys from Josh. Check those out. We got the power rankings up there, the split tens, our creative twist on it. Eddie is the ma- mastermind behind that. Hit him up on Twitter. All these guys are on Twitter. You have no reason not to be following these guys. They're all good dudes, cool guys, Clock Dodgers at heart. It only makes sense. If you have any questions, any suggestions, you know where to find me at Clock Dodgers on every single social media app you could think about pretty much. Well, maybe not all of them, but I'm around. You'll find us. Um, ClockDodgers at gmail.com is always the easiest way to hit us up by email. If you have any guest ideas, guest suggestions, questions, advice, feedback, you want to get a shirt, you want to get a wristband, you want to do anything at all, hit, up, hit, hit me up there. I'm always around, always looking to talk to you guys, always looking to connect with my my fellow human beings. Don't forget, Inside Glance episodes, always coming soon. 15-minute break episodes, always coming soon. A lot of fun stuff around the corner, guys. You either get with it or get run over. This is your chance. Ground floor. We going up. It's like when you go in the elevator and they say, what floor, sir? What floor will you be going to today? You're going to the one at the very top. Why would we go anywhere else? That's it. That's the only one we want to go to. All right, guys. You guys stay safe, stay beautiful, make somebody's day today. Clock Dodgers, signing off. Visit ClockDodgers.com for more unique content. Connect with us now by following at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.